Good morning and welcome to the Lakers Lowdown. I'm Anthony Irwin. Today on the show, I uh, spoke to George Sedano on my show about the long-term impact of the Lakers' approach to the last couple years of their time with LeBron and then expanded on those thoughts in a column. So I'm going to read that. And then, uh, look, Zion Williamson is out for a few weeks. Brandon Ingram also out for the foreseeable future, I guess. And as seeing as the Lakers and the Pelicans have to swap picks at the end of that year, that news does impact our Lakers. Are the Lakers risking future stars' interest by not helping LeBron James and Anthony Davis compete this season? At the stratosphere of NBA superstardom, the world is incredibly small. Players talk to each other about their experiences in their respective franchises, and those reputations can be difficult to reconfigure. If the Lakers don't find a, w- a way to put a viable roster around LeBron James and Anthony Davis for the second straight season, Genie Buzz probably wouldn't like the message they might send about their time in Los Angeles. Ironically, Buzz said she had to take over the franchise and relieve her brother Jim of his duties because of damage he was doing to the brand with all the losing the Lakers were doing for the for draft positioning. A counter-argument now, given how things have gone, is, well, at least back then the Lakers had a direction. Now the Lakers seem to be positioning themselves for a rebuild while they still employ a version of James capable of scoring 40-plus in consecutive games. It's inherently counterintuitive and inconsistent with her stated goals. One unfortunate theme of the genie bus Rapalinka Lakers has been short-sighted decisions that hurt the long-term health of the franchise. Far too often, the Lakers have been penny-wise, dollar-dumb. As an example, Taylor Horton Tucker and Austin Reeves were both signed to deals one year shorter than they could have been. Horton Tucker's free agency and Buss's frugality forced the Lakers into choosing between him and Alex Caruso. We all saw how that's gone. This offseason, Reeves is going to get paid which will mean next year, rather than having him on another year's rookie salary, he might be making upwards of eight figures. So, if as a result of Reeves' payday, the Lakers are reluctant to pursue another player because of luxury tax implications, they'll only have themselves to blame. Why am I talking about all this? Well, mostly because it's all I think about all day, every day. But also because the same criticism of short-term thinking is very much applicable to their handling of James and Davis. Yes, looking to the future is Davis is still out for the foreseeable future, and with James just having turned 38 makes sense in a vacuum. Every asset is going to matter as the Lakers embark on a rebuild after this era. But, as Polinka himself declared, they're tasked with maximizing these last few years of James' career. You can't do that if now all of a sudden you're drawing lines in the sand. Picture James, who is quite clearly and rightfully frustrated by the supporting cast Polinka has put around him pushing for his departure after the season with these last two years fresh in his mind. Then, as he gets asked by some up-and-coming star about whether the Lakers can be trusted with their careers or whether they'll do whatever it takes so long as other players hold up his end of the bargain, how do you think that conversation is going to go? Probably not great. Good thing James isn't the cornerstone figure of an entire agency known for attracting absolutely elite talent. That sure would be a bummer. What's crazy is this is the same organization who boldly brags about how forking over $48 million over two years to Kobe Bryant before he'd even stepped onto a court post-Achilles tear led to James. Buss and Palinka should know firsthand how doing so reverberated around the NBA superstar economy. 
both of them somehow forgetting this is legitimately concerning, even given all the baggage between the Lakers and Clutch Sports. So when you're doing the math on whether it's even worth it to try to save this season, the implications of forcing James to play a brand of basketball he says doesn't sit well with him on even a chemical level absolutely should be taken into account. This isn't just about finding a way to compete around a fading star. No, this is about the next superstar the Lakers hope to build around. All players of that generation looked up to James as they climbed to the pinnacle of their sport. To them, James is their Michael Jordan, their Kobe. If Bus and Palenka aren't willing to do right by James as he plays at this level, how can Luka Doncic, Jason Tatum, or whoever your favorite 20-something superstar might be, trust this organization to do what it takes to remain competitive for them? Segwaying awkwardly over to other news around the NBA, and look, I don't like doing this. I want to be absolutely clear. If the Pelicans were to forego swapping picks with the Lakers, I was hoping it's because they all sucked. <laughs> but I didn't want it to have to be, or I don't have to, I don't like having to sit here and look at the Pelicans and like hope on any level that Brandon Ingram takes his time in coming back or has to take his time in coming back. I hate the fact that when Zion Williamson or when news that Zion Williamson is going to miss the next few weeks uh, because of a hamstring pull, um, I hate that immediately the thought jumps to, well, I guess this is good for the chances that the Lakers get a decent pick on their end of the swap. We are saying all this at a time where <laughs> the conversation among all NFL fans right now is the dehumanization that is involved with thinking about fantasy implications as uh, DeMar Hamlin it potentially died. You know, I, I hate that as sports fans, we've reached this point where an injury happens and we think, oh, how can that benefit us? I just think that's a shitty spot to be in. But, and I know that Game of Thrones tells us like everything that is said before the butt is bullshit. So, Go ahead and roll your eyes to everything I just said. Uh, but, look, Zion's injury, Ingram's injury, you know, it's something that the Lakers, I'm sure, organizationally are paying close attention to. And, you know, as the Lakers currently reside just on the outskirts of, of you know, playoff competition, uh, I think a bigger story here, and, and one that, makes me feel a little less gross is, you know, the Lakers are still somehow relatively competitive despite just an absolutely disastrous start to the season. James has missed time. AD is still out. The Lakers never addressed this roster. Darvin Ham, I don't think, has acquitted himself particularly well. Um, just about everything that the Lakers could possibly hope for uh, went wrong to this point or has gone wrong to this point. And if you're sitting there at home and you're saying like, why do I, why should I have reason to be optimistic? This is kind of like, like you ever watch a game that, you know, you sit there and it's just like everything is going wrong. Every, like it just, the team isn't playing well. Refs are, are, are against you. Uh, it's unlucky on top of it. The other team appears to be playing over its head. And then you look at the score 
and you say, huh, it's a single-digit game. That's kind of how I feel about this current situation here with the Lakers. Um, It could very quickly turn into a double-digit game, and things could get out of hand in a big way really quickly. But as things stand, the Lakers can still kind of talk themselves into, and I hope they're trying to talk themselves into, you know, if we just made a couple breaks for ourselves, there's a way to get to actual viable competition. The only question is, is that something that everybody involved is actually interested in doing? And, you know, I've had questions about that to this point. Um, they can say that they want to fix this and, 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 you know, they can say that Rob can say, Hey, yeah, I take my position as caretaker to LeBron's career, uh, very seriously. He could say those things, but through actions, I don't believe him. So at some point, you know, seeing as they're entering halftime, right? They're looking at the, the scoreboard and they're saying, huh? Only down seven? You can look at that a couple ways. For the Lakers and for us, for those of us who have to watch from here on out, I hope they look at it as like, huh, only down seven? A quick 5-0 run makes this a a two-point game. All right, that's going to do it here for this episode of the Lakers Lowdown Podcast. Like I said earlier, I spoke to George Sedano of ESPN. He and I had a really fun conversation about the state of the Lakers and and how LeBron's like pleas for help have fallen on apparently deaf ears and the impact that that might have moving forward on the Lakers franchise. So check that out. Um, here in a little bit, by the time you guys are listening to this, I'm going to be talking to Harrison um, probably live on all of our social platforms, whether that be Twitter, Facebook, or YouTube. So you can check that out. And if you aren't able to listen or watch live, uh, it'll be right here on this pod feed as well. Uh, The Lakers tonight, I believe, by the time you guys are listening to this, uh, they play the Miami Heat on ESPN. So that means tonight is a pressure cooker night. Been one. It's been a while since we had one. So I look forward to watching that game with you. So until then, and until I I talk to you guys next, I'm Anthony Irwin saying have a good one.